Bible Biogs in 30 minutes. Through the Bible, one character at a time. Author, pastor and Bible teacher Mike Beaumont is in conversation with David Taverner. In a previous episode, Mike, we were looking at the life of Matthew, one of the 12 apostles. We're going to look at Simon Peter, one of the other 12 apostles, but a very different character to Matthew. Matthew was the tax collector. What was what was Peter's job originally? Oh, Peter would have come from a background that would have really despised um, Matthew originally, which makes for some interesting dynamics in that discipleship group, yeah. doesn't he? Peter was one of the guys that Matthew would have taxed heavily. If you remember in a previous episode, we said Matthew, the tax collector, had been based at Capernaum, which was a big trading centre and fishing village, and Herod Antipas used to tax fishing as well. And Peter was a fisherman. So he probably knew Matthew pretty well since he was like the chief tax collector for that district. He'd probably taxed, you know, many a Uh, a fish that he caught from him there. So very different guy. Um, So we're now looking at what we might call today a a working guy, a working class guy, a blue collar guy he would be in in American speak, Mm -hmm. Um, a guy who worked with his hands, who laboured hard. He worked in the family fishing business, in his dad's business, they fishermen used to partner up in those days and work between boats as well, which is why he knows some of the other uh, fishermen. So very, very different character to Matthew, um, a northerner. He'd be recognised later on in uh, the story, of course, when Jesus is on trial and one of the maids uh, will recognise him from his Galilean accent. Yeah, so he's, he's got like the equivalent of what we would call today a northern accent. So <laughs> he's a northerner, he's blunt-spoken, he will often speak before he thinks, but he's got a heart of gold. How does he come to be chosen then, to be one of Jesus' band of followers? Well, we we actually get two insights into how Peter is called, and I think together they make sense. If we read uh, Matthew and Mark's account, what we find is that after John the Baptist had been put in jail, Jesus now starts proclaiming his message, the kingdom of God is near, repent, believe the good news. And then it goes on to tell us that one day as he was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, that inland lake where these fishermen worked, he saw Simon, which was the other name of Peter, Simon Peter. He has two names, as was very common in those days, as we've said previously. And his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. And he says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Now, again, this looks like one of those simple message. Oh, right then, give up the family fishing business and go. Hmm. But there could be a little backstory to this because in John's gospel in John chapter 1 we get an account here where there are two disciples who have been following John the Baptist who then points them to Jesus and they they go and say where are you staying and he says come and see Uh, so they went with him spent that day with him and it says that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John the Baptist had said and who followed Jesus. 
And the first thing Andrew does is to go and find his brother, Simon Peter, and tell him, we've found the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. So it looks like there's a bit of a backstory to that calling on the beach, that Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, had heard about Jesus, been directed to him by John the Baptist, had gone and listened to some of his teaching, had called Simon Peter to come and hear, I think we've found the Messiah, come and listen. So it may well be that Simon Peter had already heard some of Jesus's teaching. And then some time later, a few days, a few weeks, we have no idea. Jesus then is walking along the beach, sees Peter fishing from his boat, and at that point says to him, come, follow me, and I'll make you to be someone who now catches people, not fish. And I think putting those two together like that makes sense Mm. because while there are still today people who hear the message of Jesus and respond the very first time, for most people, it, it needs perhaps several times of hearing. And certainly in our culture in the West, it might need eight, nine, ten times of hearing what the gospel is or different aspects of it. And it looks like putting John and Matthew and Mark together, that there was some backstory that Peter had heard a bit of Jesus's teaching. But that day when Jesus walked by, something grabbed him. So it's not just about hearing the message of Jesus. Peter understood there's a point that comes when you have to say yes and go after him. And I I just love the words that Jesus gives to Peter there. Come, follow, and I will make. And there for me is the three keys of of what it means to be a Christian. You, You hear the call to come. to to move from where you are, to change, to come to where he is, to follow, to realize this is a whole process of life. You're going to be changed from now on, and I'll make you, and Jesus is going to change us into something. And that's absolutely what he did with Peter. So I've got this picture in my mind of this sort of hard-nosed northerner, this fisherman who was needing to come to terms with this calling on his life. Did he struggle with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what we don't get in the Gospels is a sort of smooth picture from this point on. Peter just becomes increasingly holy and trusting in Jesus. It really is, if we put it in graph forms, he's up at the top, he's down at the bottom because he experiences all sorts of things. I mean, one of the things I think that must have always impacted him is shortly after um, that call by the, the side of the lake was that uh, while they're in Capernaum, they go to the synagogue and then they come from there and they go back to uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law's home and she's sick. And Jesus instantly heals her. And he says, and she got up and then started cooking supper for them. So she really was healed, wasn't she? Yeah. And when you think he suddenly had this powerful call and this followed up with this powerful miracle right in his own family. I think, you know, Often all of us can believe for miracles out there, but miracles in your own home and family are harder to believe for, aren't they, sometimes? Mm. So here is this guy who has been impacted by Jesus, and he is, in his heart, this sort of northern working man. He's going to go for it now. 
and he's going to give himself to it. And he absolutely does. So we get a whole range of stories. There's the story of when the disciples are in the boat and a storm comes up and then Jesus comes and walks on the water alongside them and they think it's a ghost and then they realize it isn't. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me to come to you. And he does and he gets out of the boat and then it's like he suddenly gets out of the boat and thinks, what have I done? And that, for me, sums up Peter. Hmm. You know, act first, think second, but bless him. You know, what faith, what hmm. what courage to, to step out and, and do that. He becomes one of the intimate three amongst Jesus' circle. Jesus loved them all, but Peter, James, and John seem to be uh, particularly uh, close to him. So they often went with Jesus when the others were left to one side. So he's with Jesus at the transfiguration, that incredible thing that happens to Jesus where his whole body, body is transformed and glorified and Moses and Elijah appear and, you know, he's overwhelmed by it. But then he says, uh, should we build a couple of booths here for <laughs> Moses and Elijah for you? And doesn't quite mm. understand. So he's he's a mixture. Probably, for me, one of the best places where that comes out is where Jesus predicts his death in Matthew chapter 16, and Jesus starts to teach his disciples that his kind of messiahship is going to involve his death. So there's a story in Matthew chapter 16 where Peter does this incredible declaration of who Jesus is. They they come to Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi was a place that was full of little grottos and shrines to, to the god Pan in particular. Um, so it was quite a polytheistic place. And there in the midst of all that polytheism, belief in many gods, Jesus says to his disciples, who, who are people saying that I am? And they say, oh, well, some say John the Baptist come from the dead and some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? The most important question mm. that every single one of us has to answer, mm. of course. And Simon Peter nails it. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. Mm. You know, you didn't work this out. <laughs> My father in heaven revealed this to you. And, you know, on a declaration like this, I can build my church. And he, he does a bit of a play on words in the Greek. Your name is Peter, Petros, but you're going to become a Petra, a rock on which I can build. And the keys of the kingdom of heaven are going to be given to you. And then it's from that point on, Matthew tells us, that Jesus began to teach plainly that he was going to have to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die and be raised again on the third day. And it's interesting, it's, now, it's Peter. It says, straight after this wonderful declaration, you're the Messiah. And Peter says, heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen <laughs> to you. What, what a heaven forbid, Lord. You know, how can you say no and Lord 
in the same breath, but he does. And Jesus turned to Peter and says, get away from me, Satan. Wow. Get away from me, Satan. Suddenly, he's gone from being told that he's got it to being told he's Satan and that Jesus goes on to say he's a stumbling block. You're just seeing things from a human point of view, not God's. And the trouble is Peter had seen it but not seen it. He had seen at last the first of all the disciples to see that Jesus really was the promised Messiah, the Son of God. But his thinking is still old school. He's still thinking what every other Jew thought about Messiah and what did they think Messiah was going to do. They thought he was going to be a political and military deliverer. He would get a sword and a horse and raise an army and whop those Romans good and proper and clear out the land of all these pagans and set up the kingdom of God on earth. But it was by force with a sword and and Jesus is teaching them, no, it's not with a sword, it's with a cross. So Peter has to have his thinking readjusted. So for me, this, this is the sort of guy he is, a man of incredible courage and faith at times, getting out of that boat, going to join Jesus. But at other times, a guy who gets his understanding wrong, even though he's sitting there with Jesus. Another example is he... He has this problem about forgiveness. He comes to Jesus and says to him, uh, Lord, uh, how many times shall I forgive my brother? And he's feeling particularly pleased with himself that day because he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? And you can imagine him sort of, mm. you know, preening himself inside at this point. Seven, that's pretty good. That's the sort of key number in Jewish thinking, isn't it, Lord Jesus? And Jesus just turns and smiles and says, seven not seven, 70 times seven. In other words, an endless number. And Peter must have felt pretty deflated. So he sees things and he misses things. He tries things and he fails things. But what I love about Peter is he, he's a man who's prepared to have a go and he'll get it wrong and he'll mess up and he'll mess up badly towards the end of Jesus's life and ministry. But, you know, it's like he, he bounces back. There's something in him that always causes Peter to bounce back and to give it another go. And one of those occasions I assume you're thinking of is, is denial. Yes. Jesus had um, said to his disciples that one of them was going to betray him. And, you know, Peter, good, strong, tough, working guy that he is, sort of says, well, Lord, the rest of them might all fail you. But I'll tell you what. I will never let you down. I'll be with you to the end. And Jesus looks at him and says, will you, Peter? Do you know what? For the crockerel crows twice in the morning, you'll have denied me three times. And I think Peter must have been pretty hurt by that when you think this strong guy who has stood up for Jesus and wants to stand up for him again, but... As the story unfolds, we find that's exactly what happens, of course. And here's this mixture in Peter again. When Jesus is arrested, he is the only one who sort of dares follow from the 12 to see what's happening. And he, he finds a way into the house of, of Caiaphas, where Jesus is first taken for his trials. And it seems like he must have known someone in the family and, and got himself in and he's sort of 
standing in the corner trying to keep out the way when you know this young servant girl comes along and says here you you you're one of his followers aren't you i recognize you from your accent you're one of those northerners who follow him and peter denies jesus three times and just as he denies him for the third time the cockerel crows twice and the gospel says and peter went out and wept bitterly. And I think at that point, it's like he knew what he was really like. He knew what he wanted to be. He, he wanted to be such a strong, valiant follower of Jesus. But actually, at that point, he'd been exposed for the weak man inside that he really was. And, you know, for all of us, we can have all the desire to serve God passionately but until we've come to a point where we realize actually you know lord we can't do it we're we're weak and unless you come and unless you come and do something i can't do this and that was a devastating devastating point for simon peter that that jesus would later have to come and fix i guess because he was discovering that jesus knew him better than he knew himself that's what helped to keep him going. Yes, and, you know, we see that right at the end of John's Gospel in one of the uh, post-resurrection appearances in uh, John chapter 21. It's interesting, all the fishermen, including Peter, they've gone back to their fishing. Now, we have to remember that when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't stay with them all the time over that period of 40 days. He seems to have come and gone. It's almost as if he's preparing them for his ultimate going. Hmm. And so he's gone again and perhaps been gone a little too long and Peter eventually gets fed up and the sort of, you know, the activist that he is says, oh, I'm going fishing, and they all go fishing as well, and they're out all night and they catch nothing. And then there's this smart Alec who appears on the beach who calls over to them and says, um, haven't caught anything then. We don't always get that tone in our English mm. Bibles, but that's the tone of the Greek. You haven't caught anything then, I see. And you can imagine <laughs> how mad these guys would be. And he says, cast your net over the other side. What was that landlubber doing telling us how to get? Don't, doesn't he know how long we've been catching fish? But for some reason they do it and they throw their net over to the other side, and they have this most enormous catch of fish. It says 153 large fish. There were that many they counted them as businessmen. Of course, they would have done because they had to divide them up and divide up the spoils. And then they suddenly realise that the smart aleck on the breach is Jesus, and who's first out of the boat? He grabs his cloak and Peter leaps over the edge and wades there and finds Jesus already cooking fish. I love that bit. He's not even waiting for them, but he still says to them, come and give me some of your fish. And here's like the turning point where we see how very much Jesus knew Peter and knew what there was underneath this guy because three times... How many times had he denied him? Mm. Three times. Mm. And now Jesus asks three questions. Simon, 
son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, we're not quite sure what the more than these is. Does it mean more than these other disciples like he'd boasted? Or more than these fish that he'd gone back to? Do you love me more than these? And, and each time with slight variance, Peter replies, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my lambs. He's commissioning him to be a pastor rather than a fisherman. Second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Now, why was he hurt? Was he hurt because Jesus had to ask it three times? Well, in the original Greek, the word changes. And the first two questions, Jesus says, do you love me? And the third time, if we translated it this way, it would get the sense, Peter, are you fond of me? And it's almost like Peter has been exposed. He'd been such, you know, a bragado about how he loved Jesus and would do anything for him. And yet the actions of recent days had shown he wasn't as strong as he thought he was. And maybe he was just fond of Jesus rather than loved him. But he says, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus again says, feed my sheep. A threefold recommissioning mm. to wipe out the threefold denial. And he goes on to, to tell him that, you know, Peter, you, you're going to follow me. I called you way back at the beginning. Come follow me. Uh, and this is going to happen. And he says, you know, when you were younger, you, you dressed as yourself and you went wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. And John, the gospel writer, says Jesus said this to let Peter know by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And he said to him, follow me. There's that. There's the heart of the gospel again. It takes Peter right back to the heart of it. Peter, you're a big-hearted guy, and sometimes you your aim and your heart is bigger than your ability to deliver. But I see what's there, Peter. And the heart of my message is simply this, Peter, are you going to keep following me? And of course, Peter does, doesn't he? He follows him and we'll see him in the book of Acts. And eventually, Peter will fulfill that prophecy of Jesus and he will end up uh, being crucified like his master according to tradition he has to be crucified upside down because he said he wasn't worthy to be crucified like his master was and was was crucified in rome and this is an incredible guy but mixture which is why i think we can identify with him so easily because there's mixture in all of us too and this is the same peter that went on to write some letters to people, churches? Absolutely. He's the author. Who would have thought that this fisherman would have been an author? He's the author of 1 and 2 Peter in our New Testament. Some people have said, well, how could a fisherman write, you know, letters like that in Greek? Well, listen, Greek was a pretty common language. You know, it was the world language in those days. And Peter, as a, a small businessman, would have often had to deal in Greek anyway. And there were things like professional writers who could help you with your writing as well. So 
yes, he will write these letters uh, towards the end of the New Testament. Um, probably a twofold challenge of them. What one of them is about our responsibilities of how to live our life as Christian in a society that is against us. And the other one that fits with that is to help Christians stand at a time of persecution, particularly by 2 Peter, shortly before his own death. Uh, the Roman Empire is turning positively against Christians and is starting to persecute them. And is he's now having to encourage them to stand firm, just as Jesus had had to encourage him. So this guy, this guy comes good, and the guy who himself had had to receive encouragement to stand firm when he'd let Jesus down is now writing to encourage others to stand firm when perhaps they felt they'd let Jesus down. So, by, well. so by then he'd learned his own lesson. He'd learned his own lesson. And we see that unfolding actually in the book of Acts because Peter keeps recurring in the book of Acts. We find him there from the beginning in Acts 1 when he's with the disciples praying before Pentecost. He, of course, takes a major centre stage in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit falls on all the disciples. This mighty rushing wind comes from heaven, tongues of fire. They all begin to speak in tongues in other languages and everyone comes rushing in this huge temple courtyard. Thousands of them come looking and saying, what's going on, what's going on? And some say, ah, they're just drunk. And it's Peter. It's Peter who gets up and says, brothers, these, aren't, these guys aren't drunk. No, this is, and suddenly we see what a man of scripture he was after all. You know, he'd been brought up a Jew. He would have learnt his Old Testament stories. And he refers back to how this was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel that in the last days God was going to pour out his Holy Spirit, and he preaches his little heart out. And that day, 3,000 people are saved. And in Acts chapter 3, he's going with John to the temple, and the two of them see this guy healed. And as a result of that, they're brought before the Jewish ruling council, and they end up arrested. It's Peter who, in Acts 10, will be sent to the home of Cornelius, the first Gentile to be converted in the story of Acts. And it's Peter, this guy who'd been brought up as a stalwart Jew with all its rules and regulations, who has to step beyond what he's known before to discover God is doing something bigger than just Judaism. The Gentiles are actually saved. And actually, the minute he stepped over the threshold of Cornelius's home, he'd already made his decision because at that point he was unclean as a Jew. Um, great story, by the way, that story of Cornelius, because when he hears that Cornelius has gathered the sort of first alpha course ever, and, you know, and people are there listening and Peter starts preaching and they're preaching and they're all ready to get saved and Peter gets to his and finally and God in heaven thinks, oh, for goodness sake, Peter, and just blows from heaven and the Holy Spirit falls on these Gentiles and they all get saved and Peter realises that God has now opened the kingdom to Gentiles. Here's a guy who could be stuck in a rut, but who could also learn very quickly when he saw God at work. I get the impression that you're really, really pleased that Jesus chose Peter. I'm really pleased he chose Peter because, well, he's a northerner, first of all, and so <laughs> am I. But southerners are included too, I need to say. Now, I love him because he's an ordinary guy and 
He's an ordinary guy who failed often, but his heart was set on Jesus. And I, I love Peter because I think his story reminds us that with Jesus, failure does not disqualify me. This man failed many times, but it didn't disqualify him. As he learned to bring those failures to Jesus and let Jesus forgive them and wipe them clean. And it may be that today people are listening to this episode feeling that they have failed God badly. Listen, do not sit in your failure. Do not wallow in your failure. Take the lesson of Peter, that if you bring your failure to Jesus and say simply, I got it wrong, forgive me, then like Peter, you too, can be forgiven and not just forgiven, but recommissioned to have an incredible, valuable and fruitful life in the kingdom of God, just like Peter did. Failure does not disqualify me. David Tavener was in conversation with Mike Beaumont, who's written about the people of the Bible throughout the Christian Basics Bible. Catch their conversations anytime on the UCB player or with your favorite podcast provider. Just search for Bible Biogs in 30 minutes.